Hello and welcome to another edition of the Scarlet Nation podcast. I'm Bobby Duran here with ScarletNation.com of the 24-7 Sports Network. Thanks for joining us. We're talking Rutgers basketball today. A lot to talk about. Busy, busy offseason. The busiest offseason I can ever remember. Uh, so much going on. Transfers going in. Transfers going out. Commits coming in. Uh, overseas trip. We're going to talk about all of it. And to help me, uh, you know, kind of get through this and, and and touch on all these subjects and, and get all the, the insight to you that we can, I have my man Chris Sakonis here with us. Chris, thanks for joining us for another edition of uh, some Rutgers basketball talk. Yeah, good to be here, Bobby, and um, certainly an interesting time. Now we finally have our roster set uh, for Rutgers men's basketball, so that's going to be uh, interesting to sort of break through and project and do all that fun stuff. So I'm looking forward to that a lot. You know, the first week in August, they set the roster finally. That's the longest I could ever remember it going. Now, the transfer portal is relatively new, so um, it changed things a little bit. But, I mean, so much fluctuation this year. You have guys leaving that you didn't expect to leave. Then you have a a guy leave and return. Um, You you have uh, transfers coming in. Um, It's just, I mean, it's just been a wild offseason, Chris. I haven't remembered this one. It was this active and this this much anticipation, intrigue, drama. I mean, it's it's been like a soap opera. Yeah, I mean, the end of the day, you know, when you have a key player transfer out in Cam Spencer so long after the season ended, it's always going to be like that. Because it's not Mm -hmm. even like with Paul Mulcahy, it's a little different because, you know, he had an extra year of eligibility. But, you know. We didn't. He was declaring for the draft, and there was sort of that will he, won't he. But Spencer came completely out of the blue, so that sort of changed the nature of it. And I would, I would argue, the staff did as good as they could have done. They got some two players in Jeremiah and Austin Williams out of the transfer portal, who I think were uh, uh, close to the best available given the timing of you know the transfers out and the decisions to leave that Rutgers got uh, later in Mm -hmm. the game. So I think Rutgers did a good job making the most out of the situation. Uh, they bring in some promising freshmen in Gavin Griffiths and Jermichael Davis. Um, and, you know, it's just it's it's going to be an interesting year. It's going to be um, a lot of new faces. And I'm not 100 percent sure what exactly to expect, but I think there's a lot of potential there for sure. I think it'll be a different team and and different dynamic. You know, you'll see more offensive minded uh players on the field and, 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 or I should say, you know, they're, they're, they have better strengths on the offensive end. And, and I don't think you'll see, you know, those, those gridlock 45, 44 games that, that we're used to seeing, but uh, it, it might be a pleasant change because, I mean, we were watching a lot of scoring droughts last year, especially towards the end, but we'll get to see in limited um, glimpses, uh, the team, the new team, the, the latest version of Rutgers in this overseas trip, Chris, and, uh, you know, they're not going to be playing the world beaters. I mean, they're just going to be playing some club teams. It's not like the Olympics, but, um, it, you know, we'll get to see some highlights at least of what, what this team has here. Yeah. And I think that's really the big thing is you're going to get um, the chemistry, I think, is going to be a bit better than it would have been without the trip. And as I mentioned, you know, in other places, you know, you've also got 10 practices that you get if you go on these trips in the summer. Mm-hmm. So that, right. that I think is immensely valuable, especially when, you know, in Rutgers case, you're bringing in two freshmen, a um, couple transfers and um, a junior college edition and Emmanuel Ogbo. He's uh, still rehabbing uh, from what uh, Steve Peichel said on the team podcast. But, um, you know, you're, you're bringing in all these guys and two freshmen who I think have a lot of promise. 
having that extra time to sort of gel together. And now you're going to be in a competitive team setting. Um, you know, it doesn't really matter who you're playing in that sense. Cause you have an additional ability to sort of gel. And if you're Steve Peichel and the coaching staff, figure out what you have and how to best use it. And I think that's really going to be the most valuable aspect of this trip. Um, and I, I think it's going to be a benefit for Rutgers. Yeah. And, and you know, it is valuable. The more you play together, the more you get better feel for one another, you know, what guys are going to do, you know, what cuts they're going to make, you know, what you just kind of get a sense of, of who they are as a player and, and little nuances of the game that, that, that you, they can really understand one another. So I think that's the biggest benefit, but, um, you know, I, I don't expect them to play any, any prestigious clubs over there. So it's basically like glorified scrimmages, but, um, in a competitive setting. So I, I think you'll you'll definitely, uh, you know, get these guys to to bond a little bit closer just on the trip because it's such a unique experience. And, and you will you start to see that chemistry sort of sort of evolve. And, you know, you mentioned the Williamses. I don't know how close they are to 100 to percent. I know Jeremiah is a little behind Austin. So, um, you know, we'll see what, what they got. And, you know, these guys don't have to come in or I mean, Jeremiah, I don't expect to be available this year, Chris. Um, with the with the injury and the the waiver, the, the NCA is coming down hard on on guys that are trying to get that second uh, transfer. It's they're just kind of they're they're kind of being a little more um, stringent with who they give it to. So I, I don't expect to see him this year. But you know, Steve Peichel has ran with a roster of less than thirteen available scholarship players the last couple of years. So that will really be I don't think any different. Even though Jeremiah will take up one of the scholarship spots, I, I don't think we'll see him. And I think Oscar Pomquiz will be that 12th guy. I mean, he's back. I mean, <laughs> I don't think you could have written this off season the way it unfolded if you tried uh, when the last game, uh, you know, ended. Yeah, well, maybe you could have written it, but I don't know if anyone would have believed it if you had written it ahead <laughs> of time. The way things have worked out. Yeah, and, and to, to the point, one real quick point I want to make about Pomquist is. Um, do I think he's going to get a ton of playing time with Rutgers? I, I don't. Um, I do th- will say two things, though, that I think are going to be valuable at him coming back. One, you've got a veteran that knows the system on a team that is integrating a lot of new players. So that mm-hmm. is always a benefit just from an institutional knowledge perspective. Second, and I think this might actually be more important, um, you know, Mawat Mag is still coming back um, from or still in the process of rehabbing um, uh, the ACL injury that he suffered at the beginning of February. Um, mm-hmm. So in the earlier part of the schedule, when you're playing, you know, um, a less difficult um, level of competition, um, I think Oscar Pomquist could be a valuable resource off the bench in that uh, respect. And I think that, you know, he, he can hit the three ball. He can do some things in those kinds of settings that I think will actually be valuable. It'd certainly be a better position for Rutgers than if they're down another forward. Um, and then they're, you know, I mean, you've got Cliff Amore at center, but you're a little thin in terms of depth in the front court if you don't have him um, until mm-hmm. Milan Mack gets back. So having him back, I do think it, it does um, bring some value in that uh, perspective. And it's just one less new person that you have to integrate into your team and into your system. I think that's that's a key point too. You don't have to mesh a new personality and with the new culture and or with the culture and and really worry about it. Because I mean, you know, one bad apple can can actually you know ruin the whole batch. So uh, you know, if 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 this chemistry is building and it's good, you don't want to bring in someone 
who might be more talented, but might, you know, cause some locker room issues. So, uh, you know, Steve Peichel has always been pretty high on that. You know, he's got to have the right fit and, you know, he won't just go after anybody in the transfer portal. Um, so I, I think that's that, you know, that this team will should be a, a close knit group by the time this, that the season starts. I mean, how they're going to perform, we don't know, but like I said, we'll catch a glimpse of, of what kind of ball they're playing, um, you know, on this overseas trip, Chris. Yeah. And I, and I think that's the thing I'm more, most excited to see is just how does the style of play evolve? You've got almost an entirely new backcourt um, from last year's team. Uh, and you know, you, you've got a new group of players uh, who's going to be on the court with who, um, you know, stuff like that. I do think offensively in particular, it's going to be a very different team. Uh, so that I, I think I'm going to be excited about. I don't know. What, I mean, the defense will always be good because Steve Peichel is a good defensive coach. I, don't, I think mm-hmm. they'll have a hard time replicating what they did last year. But um, that's kind of where I think they're at. I do think they will be a better offensive team, though. And I think that's going to be very valuable for Rutgers in the long run. And it'll be a more exciting brand of basketball to watch. I think people would much rather, you know, watch a loss like that, that Hofstra one than the loss to Seton Hall. I mean, I think they doubled the points in those. And not that you want to watch a loss in any regard, but, you know what I mean, just that the pace and the enjoyment of the, the game could be a lot, a lot, a lot more, you know, in, in this coming season with, with this style of play. Definitely. And I think that's going to be another, um, another thing uh, to watch is, you know, because you're on the cusp, you bring in, I think two dynamic offensive freshmen in uh, Gavin Griffiths and Jermichael Davis. Uh, and while I'm not hundred percent sure how exactly they're going to slot in with the rotation, it depends a lot on their development and also, you know, what other players around them are doing. I do think both will have a, a decent sized role. And I think both are going to sort of lead the way because don't forget right now you're slated to bring in a pretty good class of 2024 and we could spend yeah, a whole, pretty good, uh, right? Yeah, I, I've heard some good things about them uh, from some people. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Um, but but that's but it's that's important though because you are going to be definitely playing a different style of basketball uh, when you bring those recruits in. So it helps to I think sort of set the tone for that ahead of time um, mm-hmm. as you bring in you know Gavin Griffiths and Jamichael Davis and you know a couple other players that are that are growing and getting older like a Derek Simpson for instance um, that are going to be around. I think that's going to be immensely valuable for Rutgers, almost even more so than necessarily what they do this season in and of itself. And it's funny because the projections for this season are going to be quite different than what the projections are for 2024 uh, to 24-25 season, I should say. Wow, I'm getting it. Just sounds old. I sound old to say that. <laughs> Those years, Chris. Um, but you know, you have Eighth Bailey committed. You have Lathan Somerville committed. You have Bryce Dorch committed. And now it's it's a very good chance that Dylan Harper is going to going to wind up at Rutgers. You know, last week I talked to some people really trust in the know. And found out some very revealing things. I know there's been a lot, a lot of back and forth and speculation. And you hear so much different stuff from so many people. But I'm confident now that he's going to Rutgers. I mean, it would take a dramatic change for him to go elsewhere from from what I've been told. And, um, you know, anything can happen. This is recruiting. But for right now, Rutgers is way out in front of everybody else. So you're coming down to crunch time. Uh, this kid could wind up here as the number one player, Ace Bailey, the number two player. I, I mean, for a while, I was I, I didn't think it would happen because, I mean, it doesn't happen a lot of places, let alone Rutgers. Perhaps I'm a little jaded from covering Fred Hill and Eddie Jordan, you know what I mean, Mike Rice. Uh, 
you know, it, it was some dark times there, Chris. So this could be a, a team that you're talking about making a deep run into the NCAA tournament. Now, I, I, I will say, too, uh, to play devil's advocate, Chris, you know, that just because you have a top class, it doesn't mean you're going to win everything because you've seen some UNC and Duke teams fall out of the top 25 and, and they recruit top 10 every year. So not a guarantee, but it's a heck of a lot of excitement and buzz for the future. Yeah, and uh, two points I want to make on that last point you made. Um, one, I think that effect is going to be, I mean, experience is always important in college basketball, uh, especially in the Big Ten that isn't really a one-and-done conference, at least in recent mm-hmm. years. Um, but by 24-25, you've got really just the last of the COVID class uh, players that would have been running out of eligibility after this year that have one more. And, you know, some of those guys mm-hmm. go pro. Some of them will transfer and out of the league or to a different conference or whatnot. Um, but the mag, I think that is the big driver into why those freshman teams have been struggling because there have been so many fifth and sixth year guys, uh, that mm-hmm. have been around. Um, so I think that magnitude is going to be diminished a bit and I don't think it's going to be as, um, big of a difference. Um, the other point I want to make on that is, you know, you may have, you know, in this case, if Dylan Harper commits, that's a four, uh, player class of Ace Bailey, Dylan Harper, Lathan Somerville, Bryce Dorch, but you've also got, you know, like a Derek Simpson around, you've got, um, you know, it, assuming Jeremiah Williams, you know, even if he doesn't play this year, he'll be around to play next year. Um, and he'll be a, a veteran on that team. You know, Rutgers is not the type of team that will bring in 10 new players every year, um, be it through freshman or the transfer portal or whatnot. Um, so having, you know, that kind of continuity around them will, will sort of offset that a bit. And also just one more point, and this is not going to be a very deep level analysis, it's a top two players in the class of 2024. If they both come, like they're, they're going to be very good. Like I, I think, um, you know, if you just watch what, and I'm not telling you anything you don't know, Bobby, but if you just watch mm-hmm. like two minutes of Ace Bailey uh, <laughs> and Dylan Harper playing basketball, you're, you're just blown away just by what they can do on the court. Uh, there it's, it'd be easier to list the things they can't do really, because they can do just about anything. Um, Ace in particular, I think is unique because he has that combination of, size and skill um that very mm-hmm. very few uh, bigger prospects have um so i think you know ultimately yes there may be a little too much expectations if they come together in the beginning but um you know when you have the top two players potentially uh in the class and you've got a coach like steve peichel that has been able to take teams that you know a couple of those teams made the ncaa tournament or even last year's team that came close a lot of people did not mm-hmm. think they had the talent to get that done and Steve Peichel was able to exceed a lot of the expectations that national observers had. Um, there's no reason to think he, he wouldn't be able to do that again um, with that kind of talent at his disposal. So um, exciting times for Rutgers basketball. And I'm really intrigued to see how that class shakes out. Yeah. And, you know, there's always the possibility that you can bring back Cliff for a fifth year. Um, he still has that COVID year left and, you know, if you're talking about getting him some NIL money, you know, it might be more lucrative to, to play another year at Rutgers than it would to try to go overseas. Because, I mean, right now, I don't know, you know, his NBA prospects would need, I mean, he'd need some help to to work on his game to, to get to that level. So it's just it's something to think about. It's an interesting talking point. But, um, you know, if they can continue this recruiting, I mean, the future's sky high, even if one class doesn't pan out to be the end all be all. Um, if you can continue to retool like that, it, it's going to be an interesting time for Rutgers basketball. 
Yeah, definitely. And um, you talk about Cliff. Also, don't forget, Mawat Mag came in in 2020 with um, with Oscar Palmquist. Uh, so, you know, that's another guy that, um, you know, is someone who could have one more year if he decides to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's yep. another thing to keep in mind. Yeah, it could be a really, st- uh, you know, stacked team, but uh, we won't get too far ahead of it right now. Um, the, the the big news is Dylan Harper. Uh, Rutgers is way out in front for Dylan Harper. And, um, you know, he hasn't set a date for his announcement yet, Chris, but um, the way things are trending, it would take a big turn of events for him to take his talents elsewhere. Yeah, that's and that's going to be really good news for Rutgers fans to hear. And as you said, mm-hmm. you know, nothing's official in recruiting until it's official in recruiting. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I think Rutgers fans will be very encouraged to hear that, that uh, they're in a good spot with Dylan. All right. I think that's a good place to leave this one <laughs> right there. So, uh, you know, uh, we just wanted to touch base and, and give you an update on on our thoughts on the latest in Rutgers basketball. And you can continue to interact with myself and Chris on the ScarletNation.com message boards on the 24-7 Sports Network. If you're not a member, come on. We have specials. We'd love to have you. We're talking Rutgers basketball, Rutgers football. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Uh, we got content coming at you from left, from right, and uh, we're, we're not going to stop. So uh, thank you for listening, and until next time, for Chris Sikonis, I'm Bobby Darren. We'll talk to you again.